is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. All right, I am so excited. Today on the podcast, I have Carly Borden. How are you doing today, Carly? I'm so good. I'm, it's, it's sunny out, so I have a certain pep in my step today. And I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking yeah. about others snow on and off in Chicago, but it's really great to have you. So you are the run coach of the public run club, run club, and then you also have the intuitive runner, um, your website. So we're going to talk more about everything. I love, um, hearing about other people's journeys with running. So you did start out as a runner. You've been a runner for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I grew up in a pretty athletic family. Um, but in terms of running, my mom is a runner. And she, like, she ran throughout all of her pregnancies with all four kids. And I'm also a military brat. So we moved around every three years, and my mom would always start something, and she would start these women's running groups. So I grew up seeing running modeled for me. She was a distance runner. And I also grew up in women's, like, running alongside women as a 10-year-old, too. Um, So that was always – um, like in my back pocket, but I played soccer. That was my main sport. And then I really missed team sports when I got to college out here in Santa Barbara, actually. So I joined the cross country team, um, which was like my first step into more competitive running. Um, and I really loved that. And I've, and I, that is probably when running became, I guess maybe when I just started having my own relationship with running during that time. So yes. And then I got, I got um, certified as a coach. I would always be coaching friends and family on the side um, informally. And I got my, my running coach certification officially in 2015 or 16. Um, Yeah. And decided to put, put that front and center and started the public run club about two and a half years ago now, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about how, like, just so cool to be, like, 10 years old, just, like, being a little kid, having, like, running in your life and having, like, strong females to model, like, what that looks like. Like, that's a pretty amazing experience. Yeah, and how, yeah, I think about that a lot because in the moment, it was just the thing that we did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think I think – it was also modeled as being embedded in community for me too. Um, and I, I remember like just absorbing so much from the women around me, like them talking about their pre run food. So me trying to get my pre run food, which was honest to God, a can of black olives and bugles. <laughs> I was like, this is my pre run food. <laughs> um, but just like loving the culture of it, loving the community aspect of it. Um, the consistency, the since it was a women's only group, the like, um, that was kind of the only space that was women only in my life too. And seeing how women were relating to each other in that space, um, yeah, it was it it was really profound. I think about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do you feel like it was a positive experience, like hearing the way? So, this is something that my clients and I talk about sometimes. Is like what was modeled to us as kids, like listening to moms or aunts or grandmas talk about their bodies, like it not being such a positive experience at times. But then I also think like, oh, like they're like strong women running around. But like, what was that kind of like for you? Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm so glad we're all able and like kind of embarking on these conversations more too, especially as women. Um, and I think, whew, well, the first thing that came to mind was, um, I think one thing that was confusing for me was this discrepancy between um, what was said and, and what was modeled. So like um, my mom is actually an eating disorder therapist. She's a, a psychologist and has her own story. Um, and the way that she would talk about loving your body, being kind to your body and listen to your body was what was said. Um, and the women around me, that was like, like, let's strive for this. But then a lot of what I was seeing, like what wasn't said was just as impactful in how I viewed them relating to their body. Um, so I think, I think in the same way for so many women, in hindsight, that was confusing. That discrepancy was confusing and kind of informed, I mean, totally informed, I guess, my relationship to my own body and how I used, how I started and continued to use fitness within that space and exercise and specifically running within that space of, um, of yeah, valuing or not valuing my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, what did that kind of look like? Was that in like high school, college, after college that maybe it became more difficult? Um, I, I, I developed disordered eating actually in seventh grade. Um, and, and, um, also a, a compulsive exercise, a compulsive relationship with exercise too. And that lasted, um, until college mm-hmm. and, and college in like halfway through sophomore year, that's when I, when I, I guess, got honest. I like want to say the Dr. Phil phrase, but quit, quit being, start being real and start talking. I don't know what he says, but um, yeah, that's when I, I just like didn't about face and like my family was, was crumbling. There's like a lot of change happening around me and I was feeling so overwhelmed and, but not feeling any of the feelings. And I just kind of decided I, I need to feel the feelings and I, I am aware that food and fitness are the things that I'm using right now to not feel. Um, so, so I, I decided, which is not what I would advise for everybody um, who, who feels like they're in the same place, but I stopped, I decided like I need to just stop exercise cold Turkey, which was terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause to date, that's how I was regulating myself and my emotions and my my body in terms of self-worth, um, my understanding of myself. Um, and as an athlete, like so many identities, um, were in that space. Um, and then I got some, some help and support, some professional help and support, um, to help with the most urgent need, which was around my relationship with food. Um, and I got a lot of, a lot of, information, support, uh, new tools to use to start understanding things like hunger cues and um, the ways that I had come to shape food rules in my mind and everything, um, yeah. which was, yeah. Go Can ahead. you go in that a little bit more? Like, so you said yeah. 
you weren't feeling feelings, but you, but food and fitness is kind of, mm-hmm. and I think that's common for a lot of us, but like, what did that look like for you? The food rolls that you had? Oh, the food rolls. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of the food rolls I had were shaped from, um, um, well, one to control weight and then two to get muscle tone. <laughs> and so they were like, it was a lot, it was informed by a lot of sports nutrition and a lot of macronutrition of like, um, and I was paying a lot of attention to calories in, calories out, um, protein, carbs, and fat. <laughs> those those are like my parameters. Um, but I was using a lot of external cues to guide my body through the day, which was like, I was just machining through the day. So it was like, I would eat exactly this at exactly this time. And then it didn't matter if I was full or hungry. And then at this time, I would eat exactly this at exactly this time. It didn't matter how I felt or if something else looked good. It was, it was a rigid external structure to machine my way through. Um, yeah. And a lot of it had to do with, with the shape of my body. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is so hard. Like, and I don't think that I, I do talk to people that they're like, you know, I track macros and it's helpful. And I don't think that it turns into a problem for everyone. But I do think that when we're like masking everything and we're like, this is the way to be healthy is just track macros and ignore if your body is hungry and just eat according to the clock. And, you know, nothing else matters besides tracking this food. And that's, that's the sole purpose is track this food so your body looks this way. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And there's so much to, to deconstruct there too, of like, what, what is, what is the goal of the nutrition plan or the diet that we're on? And why is that our goal? And these are honest to God questions that I think we should ask. We're not, it's not like rhetorical. I don't, I don't have a specific agenda. I think starting to ask those questions of ourselves and being honest and kind to ourselves and in the answer to that is the way that we can start um, not feeling at war with ourselves and not suspending self-acceptance for like a future version of ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is so um, tiring and so prevalent in sport or like fitness, the fitness industry. Um, And especially in running, like I just feel like there are so many things, especially as women that we can access from this sport that are so, um, that are so valuable and transformative that have nothing to do with the shape of our body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a conversation that we have a lot is like, oh, I'll like myself when I'm this size or, or another one, I'll like myself or I'll be happy with myself once I complete this race or have this uh, time for this race. Um, I like myself when, and then we get there and we're like, shoot, so I don't like myself. Like, right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talk about that too. And I think there, which is, I think part of the beauty of running, like it's, it's rigorous and it asks something of us, but it also gives something to us too. But I think connecting with the vision of what we're picturing at the end of this program or at the end of this race, like, like let's stay with that vision of ourselves for a second. How am I imagining I'm feeling? 
let's think about, am I feeling calm? Am I feeling like victorious? Am I feeling um, happy, peaceful? Like, like what are the feelings and how can you start practicing those today through running? Yeah. Cause it's a feeling you practice and not a thing that is like bestowed upon you. When you finish, yeah, which would be so nice, I guess, but it's also nice to, which is kind of atomic habits, like to practice, yeah, practice that Mm -hmm. feeling today in small ways, yeah. Can you share a little bit more about what that looks like for you? Because that can feel really foreign for someone who maybe like has never felt successful and you're like, practice feeling you know, if you want to feel calm or you want to feel victorious, like what does that look like day to day? What does practice even mean? Yes. Um, yeah. So we, we talk about that in the club too. Like first shifting our perspective of like away from goals, like I want to run this 5k in this time or, or something like, and more towards how do I want to feel during and after this season? Because a lot of people start running because they're ready to feel certain things and they're ready to be transformed by the process of running, um, which I love. I think the process of running is best engaged with when, and like the transformation piece is best internalized when it's us understanding ourselves in a better way if that makes sense as opposed to becoming something else through running so um so we we kind of practice okay what are the three things I want to feel during or after this this training cycle um and then how can I practice this today which is your question um so if if I want to feel calm like if I'm picturing like I just want to feel calm by the end of this um I, I can be thinking about, okay, how, what, what elements can I, um, use my run for, or what, how can I design my run today to make me feel calm? Mm. And maybe that's who I run with, where I run, what time of the day, what music I listen to, um, what I bookend it with like meditation on either end, but designing the run to have the elements that you want to feel at the end for or with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I want to feel this way at the end of this race or at the end of this run. Great. If that's how I want to feel, what am I including during this time now so that I actually feel that? Like if that's your, if that's what you want, what are you doing to make that like actually happen and not just appear? Right. And, and this is a huge part that often just like warm up or cool down gets forgotten about, but at the end of your run, recognize the feeling of it. Like, Oh wow, I'm feeling calm now. (laughs) It's not again, just at the end of the cycle, but that, that run made me feel really calm or really strong or more grounded or um, really accomplished Mm -hmm. and recognizing that feeling during the process um, and on a day-to-day basis is, is the transformative piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you share, I'm thinking about a conversation I had with someone who was like, 
you know, I just, when I work out, like if I go to a fitness class, I'm running, like, I'm just constantly thinking about my body and how terrible my body looks and whatever. And I was like, right, well, <laughs> those are the thoughts going through your head during your workout. You're just going to feel crummy during your workout. So I'm curious, what are like, when you are out running or maybe when you're working with your runners, like what are kind of the things that you might be thinking in your head while you're running besides just, Oh, my, my thighs are flapping or like, you know, just like those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talk, Oh, and I'd like, my heart is breaking right now for, for so many, for so many of us, for so many women who feel that, um, who feel that during, during this thing that is for them and supposed to be empowering them. Um, it can be so hard. Um, and again, there's so much there, like there's so much to deconstruct there, but there are some like practical things to start, to start using too. And we talk a lot about the mind body connection and how we've come to learn about that connection or the way that our mind and body relate, especially in the West, especially as women, especially as athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of, probably for most of us, the, the philosophy we have is that our mind and body are separate and that our mind should rule our body. And what happens with that, with that perspective, especially in running or especially when we're exercising is um, this, this relationship where our mind and body are warring at each other because our mind is thinking we should be doing this and our body is not cooperating. Yeah. Um, so one, one, one way to start, I guess, confronting that or maybe changing the tone instead of warring is to think of your mind and body as running buddies or like workout partners that actually like each other. (laughs) Um, and so this requires also like listening to your body as opposed to judging it from the outside. What does, what does listening to it? So like, um, Oh, okay. I'm doing these squats and my thighs look like this. Okay. How's my body feeling? Was my body saying, how can I use my mind to encourage my body? Mm. How can I like, was my body asking my mind for encouragement? Um, does it need motivation? Am I feeling actually a rush of energy? Okay, I'm feeling very energetic. I'm, I'm caring a little less about what I'm looking like because I'm having an experience with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so having, having the like running buddy, mind-body running buddy is really helpful because it, it um, doesn't require you to like shut down the feeling. Just shut down that feeling I'm, I'm or the shut down the thought that I'm having, which just makes it harder (laughs) to stop thinking about. So how can you like embrace, embrace that, but keep the conversation going and keep the tone as kind as possible towards yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge one. I see that a lot. Like sometimes people are like, Oh, you're in a mean girl. Just tell her to shut up. And I'm like, great. And then I'm more in more of a fight with myself. Like, don't, you know, instead of like, Oh, okay. I like that. What is my body need my, or, uh, the connection? What, how can I help myself? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we talk a lot about the inner critic because that's like that, especially at the beginning, especially with the work that we're doing in, um, making, 
exercise more on our own terms within the club. Um, we talk a lot about the inner critic, which we all have, which informs so much about um, what we do to motivate ourselves, what we do to reward ourselves with. Um, and one of the most helpful things I think we can do is not shut the inner critic up, but just what can you do to not let the inner critic have the last say? Just don't let them have the last say. <laughs> just keep, keep, and that might be like a really long conversation at first because if the inner critic is just going, 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 but um, we can always at least have the final say or go for that. And I know some, some women in the club who like give their inner critic a name mm -hmm. just to like take the edge off. Yep. So there's like Susan, the inner critic and mm -hmm. Dave, the inner critic. <laughs> um, that also kind of makes it other, other than them, which is also helpful as opposed to, again, like you said, like warring with yourself. Yeah. So your programming is a lot different than what you might see out there with other run coaches, um, other programs out there. What, um, can you share a little bit more? So usually when you work with a running coach or you like download a PDF, like, cool, here's my 5k plan. This is what I'm running for the next eight weeks. And then I have a lot of people that are like, great, I, you know, I've already messed up their first week. Okay, I'll have to start something else. Yeah. How is it different with what you do? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it has evolved so much. Um, when I first started coaching, it was more traditional. Like, okay, I'm going to coach you to your race goal. Um, but I was having a lot of conversations about like, okay, yes, feel free to move your workout from Tuesday to Thursday. Okay, you missed the workout let's like move it to this day. And I didn't, I wasn't having the conversations around the beauty of running that I know <laughs> that I wanted to have with runners and specifically women. Um, so, so yeah, over the, the course of two and a half years, I've, I developed the intuitive runner program and running principles to try to um, support women in creating a running practice that they actually love. Um, so it's not, it's not geared towards a race, which blows some people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> like if we're not running for mm -hmm. a race, why are we running? If we're not running for weight loss, why are we running? Um, which again are good questions to ask, like they're not rhetorical. Let's, let's answer those questions. Um, and um, yeah, so the intuitive runner program is 14 weeks long and month one is geared around and designed around how can we know our bodies? Um, month two is geared around how can we trust our bodies now that we're a little more aware and not judgmentally aware of our bodies? What does trusting our bodies in fitness, in exercise look like? Um, and then the last month is how do we enjoy ourselves? How do we enjoy our bodies now that we know and trust ourselves? And also the process of how do I understand I am my body? I'm not, I don't have a body. I am my body. And how does that, how does that change us in running and outside of running? So it really is this container to start practicing um, self-awareness self-trust and self-enjoyment, which um, has not, fitness has not been framed as, as women for us in that way. It has been framed more as a tool to beat our bodies into submission. 
um, which is not the only way to relate to it. Um, yeah, so um, there's also, we do daily and weekly lessons around really like deconstructing body image, um, using some therapy tools to learn self-trust and then jumping into really creative um, design elements to, to, I guess, prioritize our pleasure and enjoyment through running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So it sounds like it's when you started, it was the more traditional, like, here's your, here's your PDF. Yeah. And then you're just getting to like scheduling conflicts. And that's what you're doing as a coach is like scheduling people's days. And now it's like expanded. Yes. And the scheduling and the scheduling, I was, and I wonder if you think this too, like what is underneath the need to constantly move this workout? What is underneath the need of you not feeling like you can prioritize this in your day of you feeling like everybody else's needs is before yours when you really want to make this run and what is underneath you thinking you have to start over on Monday when you missed your workout this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it was really helpful to start, um, connecting with the things that derail us. Yeah. Um, and also seeing that a, a lot of ways that we're asked to relate to a training plan or running is through a training plan and the ways that we're asked to relate to a training plan is to stay on track. Mm. Um, and what that then means is that there are a million ways to be off track. And the ways that you stay on track is to tune out your body's cues. Um, and the way to get off track is when you listen to your body. So that just perpetuates more self or like body distrust. It's my body's saying it needs to rest today, but my plan says I need to do a fart leg. Mm-hmm. What do I, what do I prioritize? Um, so I'm interested in what can we do to get rid of rigidity with training plans at this point? Um, and I say at this point, because I think training plans are great. I don't think rigidity is great. Um, but what can we do to get rid of rigidity towards training plan, towards running towards our body? Um, and that lack of structure can be really, um, overwhelming, um, to some, to some people. So in the training plan, we do have a workout every day, but they don't build on each other in a way that would make someone feel on track or off track. It's like, okay, I missed the meditation walk today. I'm going to begin again tomorrow, which is one of our training principles. Like just take it each day, learn what didn't work or what did work for you the day before and use that to, to care for yourself in a better way tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I've shared this on the podcast a couple times, but the last marathon that I did in October mm-hmm. um, time-wise was my worst time. And it was, and also the race was terrible too, because there was like floods and it was no. the like the environment was awful for this run. <laughs> but my training for it, was the most enjoyable. Mm. And a week after the marathon, I was like, Oh, I want to get back out there. Like it was the first time that I was like, I actually want to get back out there and I don't need six months off. I don't like, you know, I don't need this. Like, Oh, I'm so excited. I don't have to run. It was, I am so excited to run. And it's because I didn't push myself, um, as hard as 
running, typical running coaches would have wanted mm-hmm. me to. There were so many times that I missed uh, 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 runs during the week. I think mm-hmm. I pretty much did all of my long runs. Um, but it was like, I did not push myself to 120%. And I actually wanted to continue running and did like continued running throughout the winter. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious outcomes that you're getting or like the transformations that you're getting with this approach that you have now versus Mm -hmm. maybe what you see other running coaches or maybe what you did before at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yes. So also congratulations. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) the like fast times are praised a lot, but the like experience needs to be just as praised. So good job for listening to your body. Um, and I love that the reward is, is your relationship with your body and your running. Right. And I, yeah, yeah. the other thing too, is that my goal, like I knew that my goal for the race was actually to like running after the race was done. That was actually to stay injury free and like running when the race is done. Amazing. I love those goals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so great. Um, yeah. So in terms of, in terms of results, we, um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is consistency. So, um, one of the, I guess one of the factors that feels like success to me is if someone feels like they, they are consistent and consistent doesn't mean running every day. It's consistently paying attention to their body and giving themselves what they want or need that day. Um, and, and more often than not, because of the ways that we're engaging with and dropping into the ways that running helps, helps us or hurt us, um, more women are running consistently, um, or have learned how running, how they can use running to help themselves. Um, and so that makes a more consistent relationship. Um, and then, yeah, we do magic miles. Do y'all do you? Yeah. So we, um, for, for the race plans, which I hate, we did our last one that ended in March. Um, for the race plans, runners do their mag- a magic mile every month, um, just to update me on the paces for their month ahead. And, um, it's always so delightful to get to hear women celebrate their faster times. Kind of what you said, it's the, it's, this is a fast time. I was not expecting to run this fast because I've been running easy the whole month. And I thought I needed to, I thought I needed to um, push myself. Like you said, like push. I thought I needed a daily push of rigor every day. Um, to, to generate this sort of magic mile or fast mile. Um, so faster times, more consistent, less injuries, Mm. um, because we're listening to our bodies and tending to what we hear. Um, and one of our partners is athletes for yoga. I don't know if you've checked them out, but they, um, yeah, they're really, they're really great an online um, platform for athletes to use yoga and have little sequences um, for like, okay, I have some nigglings. I love the runner vocab. I have some niggling in my feet. I'm going to do this sequence to help myself as opposed to shoot. I hope I'm not going to get an injury in a week if I keep running. So um, 
listening to our bodies, tending to what we hear equals less injuries. Um, and then just more enjoyment, which is amazing, oh which is the, the most motivating thing for faster times, more consistent running, um, and more body trust. So yeah, those are probably the biggest things I see. Yeah. I think that the, the joy factor is huge. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about like in atomic habits, he was talking about, um, I mean, you cross the finish line and that's supposed to be like the most joyous, like part of the race, but it's like, well, that's like two seconds. And then they hand you the medal and then like, cool, you go out and you get food. And then it's like, that's it. Like 18 weeks of training for this, like, you know, few minutes of joy. Um, and then it's over. And then you're like, well, I guess I have to start another training plan. Or you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Um, but it wasn't like, worth it. Yeah. 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 So incorporating more joy throughout the actual training. Yeah. Yeah. And have you read uh, Let Your Mind Run by Gina Castor? It's like, that's a great one. Okay. Um, she, she talks about strategic joy. So she's an elite athlete. So her, her day she's describing in her book really was revolving around her long run. Um, but she was starting to dread it. So the way that she combated that was with strategic joy, just meaning like, how can I bring elements that bring me joy into my run? So she would, on the days of her long run, like pick her favorite mug, make her favorite coffee. She'd make scones and read the paper before this like three, <laughs> three four hour long run. She'd come back, have a luxurious shower, like, and not all of us can do that, but I think it's such a nice invitation for us to think about how can I start incorporating my own pleasure, my yeah. own experience of joy into this, as opposed to thinking it needs to be to beat my body into submission. Yeah. And that goes with like length of run, length of time, like pace, um, like maybe maybe a ten minute run walk brings you so much joy that is totally fine <laughs> if the whole point is 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 joy um and to enjoy ourselves then you just found out how to do that mm -hmm. um, yeah and I think that a lot of us feel like we're supposed to like pleasure is supposed to come at the end like it shouldn't be enjoyable the whole experience that whole like you know I don't know there's so many messages about that but it's like yeah. you're supposed to delay all of that. And it comes at the end. And then I think about like, well, the ways that I get myself to do stuff is by like sprinkling in joy. Like I don't always want to do my physical therapy exercises. So I put music on <laughs> that mm -hmm. helps me enjoy my exercises yes. or I don't always want to eat vegetables, but I put some like ranch dressing on my salad or like, oh my goodness, olive oil <laughs> with my roasted veggies. <laughs> and it makes it an enjoyable experience instead of sitting there like eating like bland celery, but it's like really just like adding enjoy actually makes us want to do things. And there's nothing immoral, immoral of enjoying or experiencing pleasure along the way. Totally. Which is, which is like, might be something like people might have visceral responses to that because maybe they do think that that it, there is a moral issue. And then again, with the beauty of running, that is such a great thing. If somebody is hearing that and finding themselves having that reaction to 
explore that. Okay, why do I think, why do I think I don't deserve pleasure even when I'm doing PT or even when I'm eating my ranch salad? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. It, 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 running touches on everything. <laughs> Movement touches on everything. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So I'm curious right now, as we're recording this, we are in quarantine during the coronavirus pandemic. What does running look like for you right now? How are you handling things? What does it look like for you? Yes. So, um, so I'm six months pregnant also. Oh my gosh, I didn't (laughs) know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) which is another very interesting element Mm. in this experience as well. Um, but I think last week was my last week of running. Yeah. It's, it's very timely that we're chatting about this. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, I'm like, I'm still kind of coming to terms like, was it my last time? It, I think it was my last time running um, just because of some pelvic pain. Yep. And it really colored the rest of my week because I felt like, um, like, saying goodbye to this companion that I thought I would have for a few more months. Um, so, um, yeah, I was telling my husband the other day, I feel like, I feel like running has been such a sweet thing that I've learned how to regulate myself with. And I don't have that right now. And I need to be like doubly regulated. (laughs) Because of the the feelings I'm feeling around pregnancy and quarantining, so mm-hmm. um, so I'm having a lot of mind body dialogue, like a lot of questions of like, okay, negotiating, running's off the table. Yep. What else do we need at this point? Okay, sweating. I I need yoga for mobility, but I really just need to sweat. So we set up we set up my bike outside on the on the trainer um and I'm doing the workouts with the club right now we're in the middle of a a training cycle on my bike Mm -hmm. um so it's been so I guess how running has looked for me for the past week has been um different different than I expected and and shelved like it's shelved for for a while yeah I mean, I'm not pregnant right now, but I cannot run because of some knee and hip issues. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, but it's like, like, like I see people. We were went for a drive the other day, and I, um, we don't live in a neighborhood where people run a lot, and we were in a neighborhood where everyone was running, and I was like, oh. <gasps> like yeah. <laughs> like Paul, like, what if I just like I could put my knee thing on? Because the truth is, like, I could just put this thing around my knee and go, because that's how I've been running. But like, mm-hmm. no, this is time to rest and not uh, cause any harm because mm-hmm. you don't need to. And it's this weird thing too. I'm like, well, there's no races. And I was like, you should have been listening to your body the whole time, even if there was a race. But kind of the same thing of like, okay, what did running give me? Um, it was time outside. It was being connected with my body. It was moving my body. What else can you do? Oh, you can go walk. You can ride your bike. You can lift weights. There are other things that I can do, even though I can't run. Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry too. And seeing other people running, you like want to cheer them on and then you feel so much jealousy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. 
No, I was going to say too, actually, it just reminded me because I have a lot of people that'll be like, oh, I'm so nervous about other people seeing me run like mm-hmm. when they're in their cars. And, I, and I'm thinking, I'm always like, when I'm in my car and I see someone else running, it is jealousy. I wish I was out running. It's not like how fast they're going or what their yeah. body looks like. It's like yeah. they're running and I'm stuck in my car right now. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. I feel that every time, even right after a run. <laughs> I'm feeling that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I was talking um, with a new friend yesterday and she lives in New York and mm-hmm. um, she was, she was talking about how inspiring it is to see new runners. Like mm-hmm. during this time, people who are, who are clearly just getting out for the movement um, and how she's seeing so many people uh, just sprinting, <laughs> like not, not pacing at all, but just like, I came. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to go and sprinting for as long as they can and then stopping. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like during this time people, well, I wonder if this is true, but it seems like people are feeling a little more freedom to experiment yeah. and, and like, okay, I don't know how to pace myself. I'm just going to go out and run. And, and I think that's how it starts too. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what um, how this time shapes people's intro or relationship to running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that that's, that's actually really powerful to hear from someone, right? So you've been running for decades and to hear like you are accepting of new runners and you're not judging new runners that they don't know what they're doing. You're like, that's really amazing that you are out there giving it a try, even though you're not doing it perfectly like you think it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I think that's just in general. I'm so skeptical of anybody who's judging yep. anything. It's clearly that's a you problem <laughs> that, that, um, yeah, I would hope people, new runners would, would hear that and like give themselves that permission of, and, and obviously there are people in the running community. So so pockets can be judgmental, but as a whole, I feel like running is a very um, acceptable, accepting, mm-hmm. and there's so many ways that it can be more inclusive and everything, but it's, it's for everybody, and if anybody tells you differently, um, don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Well, is there any other advice that you have for people that maybe they are getting out there started with running now, um, to continue on with it so that it's not just something that they do during this time? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'll share the public run club principles that might just be like nice bumpers, um, for people. The first is to make, make it fun size. Um, so principle number one, make it, make your workout fun size. That's the size and shape of fun for you. Um, and we in the club talk about what's your one tooth. So that comes from a study that I actually read from James Clear, um, or he pointed in that direction of Mm -hmm. the, of the study of people, um, researchers looking at the process of developing a habit. Okay. So they, they split the group in two. Group one was meant to floss their whole mouth every day for one month. Group 
two was meant to floss just one tooth per uh-huh. day per month. Group one entirely dropped off. Nobody yeah. flossed their whole mouth. And group two, um, everybody flossed just the one tooth. Um, so as you're looking at shaping some sort of habit or practice for yourself, what's your one tooth in running? Um, a lot of people inflate their goals thinking if they're bigger, they'll have more skin in the game to show up. Um, but if we use that research as the backbone of this principle, what is your one, your one tooth, like the kindest, easiest thing you can do to show up every day, even if your workout is a 30 minute run, um, instead of saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Maybe do just your one tooth instead. So some, for some people in the club, that's like a five minute walk. It's a mile run. It's, um, a 10 minute run walk. It's a five minute meditation. Just doing a fun size one, two, <laughs> lots of metaphors, that. lots yeah. of metaphors. <laughs> um, the second, the second training principle is always begin again. Mm. Um, so and that principle came out of, or was born out of seeing a lot of people missing a Tuesday workout being so mad at themselves for being off track now that they throw the towel in and say, I'll just start again on Monday. So they're just perpetuating, like perpetually starting over on the random Monday. Um, So pause and just give yourself permission to begin again this afternoon, this evening or tomorrow. um, So you don't feel at the mercy of needing to be rigid and perform this programmatic approach to running. Um, The third is be rigorously honest with yourself. So um, this one's really important and really hard to do (laughs) with um, tending to the voices that that we use to motivate ourselves or reward ourselves. And this is a really helpful one to engage with, even at the onset of a running program of like, what are my motives here? And there's no need to be judgmental at all. Just you're taking inventory. What's my honest answer to why, why do I want to run today? Why do I want to run this season? Um, um, Why didn't I run when I said I was going to run? And and why did I run more than I should have? Like just getting in the habit of being rigorously honest with yourself. This, the, the next principle, number four, is probably the hardest one, which is be rigorously kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so hard and kind um, is a hard ratio to tend to, but that's, I think, where the magic is. Um, I forget who says this, but um, can we be as kind to ourselves as we are hard on ourselves Mm. and what does that change for ourselves so instead of trying to turn the hard down which can feel so helpless what does it look like to turn the kind up like to meet the one-to-one ratio with more kindness um and a lot of that is just being non-judgmental towards ourselves which is um again such a good practice I guess running is such a good way to practice that. Um, but it takes, it can, that can be very hard. Um, but again, I think that's where all of the magic is. Um, and then the fifth training principle is to remember that, that running is a practice in self-advocacy. Um, so 
I, I believe that to be deeply true in terms of us advocating for our time, our energy, our rest. Um, and this is, as soon as we see this for ourselves, we start seeing it for our community, um, for accessibility, for um, community, for fuel, for hydration. Like, how can, how can this be an arena for me to start practicing advocating for myself? Um, and that might be like telling your partner you're going to leave at 10 to go for a run and, and figuring out what happens in the wake of that. Um, it could be you advocating for your rest day to yourself mm -hmm. um, or to the people in your sphere that you need a day off. Um, yeah. So that's the fifth one. Running is a practice in self-advocacy. Um, yeah. So those are the five, the five training principles. Hopefully those are just some bumpers for, for people. Um, if they are starting or if they're finding themselves relating to running in a, in a different way during this time, mm -hmm. um, hopefully some helpful tips. Those are amazing. I love those. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So if people wanted to find you and connect with you, where are the best places they can find you? Yes. So, um, probably the first place to look is on Instagram and it's at the public run club. Mm -hmm. It's the public club. <laughs> um, my husband just brought me coffee. I was distracted. <laughs> um, yeah, so on Instagram, that's where that is like probably 99.9% .9 of, of club happenings are on Instagram at the public run club. Um, and then our website um, is thepublicrunclub.com. And um, as soon as quarantining started. Um, I made the first two weeks of the intuitive runner program free. Um, again, just for anybody who is starting to run or is wanting or needing to relate to their body or running in a new way. So they can, um, anybody who's listening who wants the first two weeks, they can get that on the website. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Great. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much, Jacqueline. Yeah, so nice to chat. I really appreciate it.